It's week three of the Wonka Pod, and we're joined by a new guest, Marky Mark Salen, the Romosexual Tendencies owner. He's, uh, Evening, boys. Fresh from Wax's vagina last week. <laughs> um, yeah, str- struck down with a bout of uh, tonsillitis. It was great. Oh, it's tonsillitis. May we talking about this disease for children? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I thought as well. Um, yeah, and it kicks the shit out of you. We're, we're not. <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna. We're not going to give you any time to sort of settle in. We're just going to crack straight on because there's a lot to get to this week in the world of the NFL. Um, I'm going to start. I've I've done a little game. Um, basically, hey, do you remember the Price is Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to play the Price is Right, but for draft auction values. Now, the winner is the person that gets the 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 most the most right, and we'll start with Martin, and we're going to go back to episode one and your uh, the the guy that you'd rather staple your ass shut than pick. Uh, Golden Tate, his fantasy value in auction drafts this year is $22, mine. Andrew Luck, higher or lower than Golden Tate? Higher. Well, you're out straight away. Andrew Luck's <laughs> average price on the auction market this year is 17 bucks. People are paying 22 bucks for Golden Tate. That, is, <laughs> that is correct. So Martin's out on the first go. Um... Craig, you've oh, got guys. one to beat, and we're going to start with the man who is your, uh, your um, rather staple your ass shut, the man who is definitely... He's not Jesus. Tom <laughs> Brady. Jesus. Oh, 16 wow. bucks for Tom Brady. Jeremy Hill. Higher or lower than 16? It's got to be higher. That's ridiculous. No one's paying... I wouldn't pay 16 for him anyway. Okay, he's a, so are you say Jeremy Jesus. Hill's worth more or less? Hill, Hill's more, definitely. Hill is definitely more. He's 17 bucks, so you're automatically in the first place because Martin's just not very good. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> T.Y. Hilton, higher or lower than Jeremy Hill? Um, T.Y. Hilton. Come on, Craig, keep it snappy, mate. I think he's got to go... It's got to be... Uh, uh, higher, higher, higher. T.Y. Hilton's average draft price is $27. Yeah. $27. So, to carry on your streak, Greg Olson. Higher or lower than $27? Lower. You are right. $23 for uh, Greg Olson, which... Surprising being is he's clearly the number two uh, tight end in the league. Lastly then, to complete the streak and put the pressure on Mark, Kelvin Benjamin, higher or lower than Greg Olsen? Lower. Although that's a a tough one. Kelvin Benjamin. Going lower? Yeah. Final answer? Final answer. That's correct. You've run the table. He's 20. That's how we get down. That's how we get. See it there? That's all an emotion there. A flick of the wrist. Am I meant to follow that? Well, there is a tiebreaker. There is a tiebreaker if you get to the end. Boys, I fucking nailed it. I'm not even having it. I fucking nailed that. Here we go then. Mark, Russell Wilson's fantasy value in average draft price this season so far is 31 bucks. Mark Ingram, higher or lower? He's got to be lower than 31. Final answer? Final answer, he's got to be lower. You are bang wrong. 33 bucks. 
just absolutely close. just chat on everyone on that pro- on that quiz. So uh, congratulations, Craig. Craig. I'm going to try and do one of these every week, and we'll keep a little running score. Craig, you're winning at the moment. Um, Nailed it, mate. Nailed it. I'm sure among the many, many trophies and prizes that you've won over your lifetime, that's got to rank up there with all of them, really, hasn't it? So, the reason, reason, uh, obviously, that we've done that is that the the draft's coming nearer, and um, it's time to talk about draft strategy, really, isn't it? Um, We've all... Well, you say the draft was getting nearer and then started getting further away again. <laughs> I think it's now nearer than it was when we started, wasn't it? Yeah. I, it the chances of getting I'm 12, slightly confused as to what they were currently now proposing to yeah. the draft. But. We're just going to... Uh, there's not going to be a draft this year. Heap's just going to draft for us. Get everyone an auto-pick. Work for Vince. Yeah, work for Vince. So let's talk a little strategy. Um, from what I could see, just going through... Uh, the stats this year in the in the mocks it seems like receivers are the are the way to go obviously in our league we've got um the the, the opportunity to, to pick several receivers and only one running back and that may influence the way we approach it i don't know um mark we'll give you first shout what's 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 the strategy what's the winning strategy so for me, I, and I, I think you're right in what you said about everyone picking wide receivers because it's just becoming a passing league. However, I think because of that, there's far more wide receivers that are getting half decent scores now, and you can kind of you can rely on a well, not rely on it, but you can take a gamble on and a bit of a punt on a wide receiver further down the draft. For me, it's still about getting the the decent running back that's going to score you the. the big points especially now as there's so much running back by committee if you can find someone like last year you had Devonta Freeman and Adrian Peterson if you can get those guys that are going to take the majority of the snaps you've got to get one of them in, in your lineup as quickly as possible still about the running backs for me Intr- especially in our league is is t- the two flex you've got more flex positions now but the two positions that are still set in stone we've still got two running backs um, so you can't flex them out. You've got to get in a for me a decent one as early as possible. Yeah, is that is that an error? Should we have only had one running back, one one of each, and then you decide the makeup of the rest of the team? I'd have been happy with that, but I understand why people want to keep it as close to how it was before. Craig, I think that it's um, it's been moving towards not so much towards wide receivers. I, I mean, if you look at my last two years. Um, I've taken a wide receiver. I think I've taken two wide receivers in the first three rounds the last two years. Um, I think the the two things, my big considerations this year, will be value. Ultimately, you want to pick the best player um, for the best money, but it's got to be game plan. I think that if you know a team has to focus on a certain impact player, that's who I'm going to try and get. If I'm going to go receiver... I want someone who's going to get 10, 12, 13 opportunities a game. So, yeah, that's that's what I'll be looking at. I'll be looking at value first, game plan second, who, who's going to get the opportunities, whether that be a receiver or running back. I think if you get good 12, 15 targets a game, then I would take that over a running back who maybe is going to get 20 touches. The, the problem you've got there is that everyone's going to be thinking that. So well, <laughs> well, fuck you, Doug. Okay, Martin, um, over to you. Well, I've had a little look, and um, I know 
people's been saying about the um, the wide receivers, but I, I devised a strategy for for a standards um, draft, which I think I can probably use in an auction, which I've kind of labelled the positional drop off. So you look at the top ten players and then see how many points each group loses by not getting someone in the top ten. And wide receivers, surprisingly enough, the the difference between number one and number ten is smaller than any other position group. So if you don't get a top 10, you know, you're then going to get someone who's potentially going to have a, a similar production if the projections are anything to go by. So looking at this, you know, the, the QB is the is the biggest positional drop-off. You know, from 1 to 10, you're talking about a drop of 79 points. And from Cam Newton down to Russell Wilson, who is currently 1 and 2, you're talking about a 30-point drop-off. So I was going to try and look at each position and then decide whether or not the drop-off to the next guy is significant enough to you know, maybe pay a, pay a little bit more. So I was going to try and you know, look at each one and go, right, the drop-off from Gronk to Olsen is massive. So obviously, to my mind, that makes Gronk that a little bit more valuable because you know, the, the tight end position is another one that's got you know, a top tier. And then after that, it's a real sort of flip a coin and see who turns up to be any good. So the problem with that um, approach is that what you're comparing is the is the points at the end of the year. And while that may be, you know, say, for example, 100 points between, um, you know, one and two or whether it be three and four or five and seven or whatever, you, you, you've got to recognise that over the course of the year. And in, in, in real terms, those additional points may have only accounted for being the case over one or two weeks. So if you can get solid production, while you know you're not going to get that elite um, breakout production of your Gronks, of your Megatrons, where some weeks they're going to go for 35, 40 points. And that's, you know, that's a, probably a 20-point um, addition at the end of the year, whereas you know, that, that, that level back, that Greg Olsen from your Gronk, is, might get you that 20 points that week. So I, I think when you compare it at the end of the year, there is some nuances which may encourage you to overpay with that strategy you see for me you're all going too analytical on this basically you've got a squad of players to pick and you've got a budget to fill and in an auction draft surely the the way to go is just the top player in every position for as little as you can pay for them because all of this is all well and good but you could end up with five players from the same team who all have the bye week in the same week you can't look at it just purely on points. For me, you've got to look at it as a, a rounded team that's going to be available. You're going to need the most. For me, the way I'm going to do it is to um, to try and maximise the availability of my top players. I don't. I don't think I would ever have a strategy where I'm going to pick players like shit players just based on the fact that they're going to be available that week. Yeah, um, absolutely not. I'm, but, I'm a bit more like Martin as well. I, I tend to look at the numbers. And like the, the reason for me looking at running backs is you look at last year, 11th highest scoring running back was Danny fucking Woodhead. It's, you know, when you start talking about that level of player at the 11th best in that position, you've got to fill, you know, five five positions with a, potentially with a running back. You've got to get in one of the top boys as quick as you can. But he oh, wasn't. He wasn't. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. There. That's what I'm saying. You've, you've got to pick. You've got to go for the best players. You know any perceived drop off or any perceived notion of value? You've just got to go for the best player. But for me, value 
also takes into account availability. I don't want three of my best players to have the same bye week. I've had that before. It just it shafts you completely. The other, the other the counter argument to that is that you try and stack your team with um, them all having the same bye week, and you just take a hit on that week for having a far better team. I, I think we've all missed out on playoffs by one game, though, right? A few occasions where I had two of my top players out in the same week, and I missed the playoffs by one game. If they'd have been there, well, there's a lot of reasons I didn't make the playoffs last year, but um, still better. Yeah, to, to me, that... well, I, I think there's a genuine you know benefit to that strategy of loading up a bike. Just sacrifice one week to know you're, you've got a solid outfit, the team you want week in, week out for the rest of the season, and just go look. I'll, I'll week six, I'm gonna, I'm probably not even gonna be able to field a full side, and just take one and go. Well, but because I'm stronger. In the other remaining, you know, nine, ten, eleven games where the bye week doesn't kick the shit out of me, I, I think that's a perfectly, you know, valid one. If, if if the right teams align and you've got the, you know, the superstars that you would have picked in on the bye week on the same week, then then I think you know potentially that could work. And that's the thing. You have to go on what's available, particularly with an auction draft. It is, I certainly won't be approaching it by solely viewing any one area or category. It's going to be a, a mixture of what's available at the time. If at the time I can get really good value, and which means that three players might, might like in the country and the risk of, of not all going for one by week, I might get a week four, week five, week six, week seven, my four top players. But if I, if that will be a consideration I make, depending on who's available. If those four top players are Gronk, whoever, Cam, whatever, maybe you just sacrifice it. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a mix of circumstance, which is the risk with the auction draft because if people start overplaying or underpaying or whatever or go with some booky strategy, it's going to be. It could get a little bit ro- like, rocky. Let's, um, I also think let's... You, you could find that your strategy might evolve on the fly. Because if you ended up it with will. Cam and Gronk, and you find out they're both on the same bye week, you might go, well, look, look, bollocks, that week I'm going to look, look yeah. to try and, yeah, I'm just going to tank that week. Yeah. Because you picked up the two players you wanted, and then realise, oh, hang on a minute, they are on the same bye week. Well, that's let's... when you make the decision to go, you know, take, take one game down. Let's change direction slightly. Who who would you say in each position group is the player to have this year? Let's start with quarterbacks. What quarterback are you going to pay the most money for? Supercam. Supercam. No doubt. Are we all agreed on Cam Newton? Yeah. See, I'm uh, I'm I'm thinking Wilson this year. Running back. <laughs> Craig. I think running back's a hard one to call. Very difficult. I'm going to go yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. Crazy, ballsy. Yeah, I think that I think that O line gets their feet more. again, and I think his explosion. So is you're going to pay be... more for Elliot than you would for Peterson. I don't think I'll pay more for that's, him. That's but not the I question. wouldn't mind that's putting my hand in my pocket. The question is, who would you pay the most for? Oh, 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 oh Elliot. Yeah, fuck it, Elliot. I'll put oh, some dough. We'll, we'll hold you to that, Mark. Yep. Uh, running back for me, it's a couple. I I, I think a couple are going to have massive seasons. Either David Johnson or Todd Gurley. And Martin, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, yeah, Le- yeah. Le- 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 Bell. Boy, does it all. He's in a great offense. You know, Could be any he, of those. He, he, he's been yeah. He, he's got a proven track record apart from injury. If he stays fit, I can't see many people doing what he can do on the field. 
uh, wide receiver? Martin. Antonio Brown. Craig. Stick, stick with the, the you know the, the Steelers. Their their triplets is you know as good as any in the league. And Antonio Brown again, another one does it all yards after the catch. Craig. I think this. I think Antonio Brown is the no-brainer for if you're gonna go for who you're gonna pay the most for. That's your number one wide receiver. However, my I will pay depending on our QB situation. Brandon Marshall. I think this is his last big year. He was unbelievable last year. If we do lock down Fitz, I'll take him. 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, either a 100-yard game or a touchdown every game. Like The guy is, is, is a, a beast. I, I, if we can knock him down, I, I'll take him. I'll, put, I'll still pay money for him. Mark? Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no need to ask about tight ends. Absolutely no need at all. Um, no need to ask about kickers. Pointless defenses. Pointless. <laughs> Move on. Okay, great. Um, so we'll leave. We'll leave draft strategies there. Um, I'm pretty much going to talk about it every week from now until the draft, I suppose. But um, you know, quite a lot of uh, valid points there. But I don't think we've got anywhere ultimately. Something that has moved on over the off season is Game Pass, which now apparently is going to con- uh, going to include both the playoffs and the Super Bowl, which was one of the biggest sort of drawbacks to the to the package last year. For me, it's going to, you know, the way I consume the NFL has changed now. I've got rid of Sky. You know, there's not really any point in having it. So, I mean, what do you boys think? Are you, are you is, is Game Pass something that's now a no-brainer kind of purchase? Or? I think it's I renew, got it, renew it every year, yeah. Automatic renewal. It, it was great value, 130 quid when you didn't get the playoffs. It's now, an, like you say, an absolute no-brainer not to have it. It's just, and the, being able to download it to your device, watch it on the train. So, I mean, I probably watched nearly every game last season in the condensed mode, which, again, is another brilliant, brilliant feature because I'll just put it on the iPad, sit and watch it on the train and the tube. You know, it's faultless. That, and, and like I say, value for money, pound for pound, brilliant. I mean, from our point of view, it, it's going to help us immeasurably, isn't it? If we... You know, it's going to give us endless content to talk about. I mean, there should be no reason between the four of us why every game can't be sort of watched by at least one of us, and you know, gives us plenty to drone on about and and make. It's the same as um, badly educated choices. As much when you when you've got nothing else to watch at home because my kids are watching some bollocks on CBBS. Being able to stick on NFL Network as well, I think, will be a massive thing that you can have on all the time, and you can't get that anywhere else, especially not on Sky. Um, so I think that's a massive benefit of getting Game Pass as well. I'll be honest. I'm banking on you lot definitely getting it. I'm still waiting to make a decision because the blackout thing does my nothing. I'm the the playoffs was a no, that was a no go for me before. That's why I was I didn't have it beforehand. I had the Sky. A couple boys had the Game Pass. We switched codes. That's works. We get one over on the man. I'm down for that. This year, I'm gonna wait until Augusty time. I'm gonna call Mr. Sky. I hate Mr. Sky. They're teeth. They're the biggest crooks. I love it. I'm gonna call Mr. Sky, and I'll have a word. And if he can do sack on uh, Sky Sports. Even if it's a short-term deal, I might do it because the the having the red zone. Obviously, you've got it on Game Pass. Being able to flip between that on my telly, between whatever, and knowing that the following day I can 
link one of you boys' codes and watch anything I didn't get to catch up on is what I'd want. I'd want it all. Basically, if not, basically, if Sky are unreasonable, then it's a Game Pass no-brainer. You've, you've basically gone for what I call the, the, the Scottish Sky Pass, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're banking on everyone else paying all the money, and you just sit back and watch all the gear. Yeah? Well, Brilliant. Well, you, well, if you work it out, I will end up paying more than everyone, but I will be willing to negotiate the code. You can have the sky how, code. How are you going to be paying more than everyone? You're not going to be paying for anything. Well, not I'm not Game Pass, but I'll have Sky, won't I? You've got to think it's the football as well. I, I don't. I don't want to talk about that. The, the word, but I, I will come September or October when it's rainy on a Sunday. I might still want to watch a little bit of Super Sunday. Okay, don't hate me because of it. I still like it sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me paint a picture. I live in an area that's only just found out about the internet. <laughs> you know, there are people in my village that still use mo- like dial-up modems. Yeah, and they think it's wicked. They sit there and they listen to the noise and they think, oh, happy times. But BT have just upgraded our our line and we get 17 whole megs now. 17. Can you believe it? Fucking horrible, mate. Are you joking? 17 whole megs. Uh, That is blow your brains out. That is horrible. Mate, that's, that's nine times faster than what I used to have. What is wrong with you people down there? And, and for me, washing machines, I, mate. I've, I've, seriously, I've, I've been just running. I've just been streaming YouTube on devices just to get all my internet. Just give me all the internet. So there's no way. You guys are, are you still using magazine porn? You don't have to store it under your bed anymore, man. It's brilliant. It's funny. I've, I've, I've actually been caught more since magazine porn ended than I did when I had magazine porn. Um, but yeah I'm going to be doing it and I'm going to be watching it every single day I'm going to be getting up I'm going to be watching it I'm going to be falling asleep watching it and um, it's the best thing I could never have before because my internet was so crap but now now I've actually got functioning internet and I, I can watch all those people whose teeth are so white I can barely look at the screen you know all those retired players who say absolutely nothing I can watch all of it and I can watch America's game until my eyes fall out. It's going to be brilliant. Why do they all either have two big suits or two tight suits? They never just have a nice fitting suit. It's always massive Americans, or super tight. Yeah, but I mean, it's better than Jamie Redknapp's ultra-tight trousers, isn't it? Oh, with his nothing nuts worse, out. Nothing worse than seeing which way Jamie, Jamie Carragher's dressed on a Sunday Literally. afternoon. <laughs> Cameraman, boss, got yourself just there, right by the gonads, please. Yeah, just, 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 just tighten in just a little bit, just a little bit. No one needs to see that. See what religion it's, is. It's the, way he sit, it's the way he sits with him, totally on display, like, he's no, like he knows as well. Mate, he's too, too much. Look at my bollocks. He, <laughs> he said, "Doug, Doug, come over here. Just, just kneel down there. Shoot it that way. Shoot. It. That's my good side. <laughs> That's my good side." <laughs> oh, dear. Jamie fucking Carragher. Honestly. Anyway, um, we'll leave that there. We'll move on. Uh, I'm, segways aren't flowing this week. Everything's just a bit disjointed this week. Everyone, it's, it's really not. We're having our first technical challenges. We're having. We're finding out what the world of podcasting is really about because before it was all fairies and marshmallows and <laughs> pretty bunny rabbits with fluffy little hats. Um, Simpsons reference. Uh, let's move on to the 
the international series games. I don't know if you've heard in the news, but there's going to be a game in China in 2018. I thought the NFL have said that that might have been a bit premature saying that. I know the Rams are one of the teams that are looking for that. Don't question my news sources, Martin. I haven't read the news today. Um, Yeah. The last I heard, China were getting a game. Now, the reason I mention this is because... Everyone in England has been talking about a London franchise. There's a game in China and there's a game in Mexico. Maybe the China one won't happen, but where do these other international series games leave the London franchise is my question. Because it would seem that the NFL is sort of putting a nail in the coffin of it by moving these games around. What up? than the 10-year deal that they've done with Spurs to play two games a year there. Yeah, but that's two games a year. That's not a franchise. I think that I think it's a big, big ask to have a London franchise anyway. I think that was always the ultimate dream. I think it's a big ask. I think this is simply growing the NFL brand. Worst case scenario, they have a number of competitive games uh, around the world. Best case scenario, you know, it works economically and, and 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 competitively, and they work outside for London. But I don't think it, I don't think it particularly in and of a, in and of itself ends in a possibility for the, the London franchise. I think it's just simply growing the brand and and the NFL doing what the NFL do best, and that is make fucking money. And is there really the appetite for a London franchise, the yeah, stateside exactly. or over here? I, I don't know that that's something that. Obviously, it's been banded around, but I've never got the the kind of nailed-on feeling that it's something that the NFL want and the UK want. We're, we're happy watching the teams coming over here. I don't know that we need our own franchise over here. I think the NFL in China game is just them copying the NBA. They've gone to China for the last couple of years, um, but it's worked for them because they've got big names like Yao Ming and people like that that, have, that are huge in that country, but they obviously see it as a massive market where they can make some money. Um and I don't think it necessarily lowered the chances of, an, of a London franchise at all. Um, I don't think, um, same as the other boys, I don't think there'll be a, there ever will be a London franchise. You, I mean, you say that... China's money. China is money. Man United do it every year and have done for about, what, eight years, mate. It is money. If you can get over there, get over there. The only thing, the only thing that the China lacks is, like a, is an NFL star that the NBA have, but... You can, if you can get that country into the, into the sport, they will part with their cash, and that's that's all old, old Roger wants, isn't it? For me, it signifies an intent from the NFL that they've they've given up on a London franchise and they're just going to take it on a global tour now. I, you know, they've signed a ten-year deal with Tottenham, fine, but it's two games a season. It's not it's not them saying we're we're here and we want it to work permanently, it's we're going to do two games a season until we stop selling your stadiums out, and then we're going to go to another country. But I agree with Martin. I don't think it was ever an NFL saying, we are going there to try and establish a London Mate, franchise. There, there, there are owners. Saying, There's been owners on NFL Network over and over again saying we're definitely looking at a London franchise. I mean, you can't get more... Bla- you can't get more... Yeah, but we're to going say to do it than that. To say you're considering it offers to try and grow the brand in the country it doesn't mean that your 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 only opportunity here is to establish a franchise what you're saying is you know we know there's an appetite for games in london we're obviously obviously going to be aware and open to the possibility let's see what you guys think let's try and engage you in the culture 
have some, you know, regular season games, see how it turns out. And then, you know, if they're, because you've got to think about the talent pool, the travel, there's all, it is not, a, it was never a, yes, this is what is going to happen. It is, all right, let's just, let's just see how this works for a bit. Let's see it. Let's establish a relationship. Let's engage the UK fans in, in the game at the very least. If the very least is you get two games, two competitive games where you sell out stadiums every time, it's a no brainer, isn't it? And if, I, I think the, the franchise itself is a, is a is a potential, but still a pipe dream, and it always was. It was very, op- it was you know idealistic. It 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 wasn't something that we were looking at any time in the short or medium term. And I don't think any owners come out and said, "I'm going to pick my franchise up and move it somewhere else." Yeah. It's always been that kind of roundabout way they've said it. They'd support a franchise going to London. They'd be behind it if someone else wants to do it. They're happy with it. But when you know you, you haven't got anyone there, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, right? We're going to up sticks and, and you know Giants. We're going to move them to London. I don't think any of the owners have, have said I'm prepared to move. It's been an acceptance. If someone did want to go, they might get the backing of the other guys. But there's no one who's got the and particularly now, now the Jags have picked up and are actually looking like a you know a, a, a reasonable franchise. Who who would want to, their you know their brand? taken from the the current market i just can't i just can't see anyone wanting to do it i think it'd be tough for anyone even like side can't because he was always the obvious one wasn't he because he's he's has he got links to fulham as well yeah he's a fulham chair and um yeah and it was that was always the obvious one it's difficult for him to say though isn't it that we're going to move our franchise to london because all of a sudden he's stopped selling any tickets for in jacksonville and he struggles there enough yeah, anyway. don't do that anyway um but it, I, I don't think there's any chance that anyone would look to up sticks if, they, if it ever happened it might potentially be an expansion franchise but I can't see any owner looking to move the team um, ok I think we've done half an hour of disjointed <laughs> disjointed chat let's um, let's move on to any other business because I reckon we can at least sync that up and um, we'll start Martin you can go first this week as uh, you sent me a text and asked to go first <laughs> yep and, and that's entirely for my own peace of mind and sanity, because it, it comes in two parts. And the first part is tennis. Wimbledon, Andy Murray. Fuck that boring as arsehole shit. I can't <laughs> fucking stand tennis. And I don't want a word said about it. And I've been all over the tennis papers and I've, uh, to the back teeth of it. So I thought, if I get ahead of it, done it, put a nail in it, that is it, over. We're not, we're not, not, I don't want another word spoken on it. I oh, can't, can't I actually this. love Andy Murray. Done, 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 done. That's it. That's why I got ahead. You get in first, yeah. finish. I don't, Andy, I don't want to hear any more about it. And the second part of the, um, is a question for, for you guys. And I'm, I'm currently sat here next to a baby monitor because the missus is out. So if that little hellion upstairs wakes up, um, <laughs> It's just me and two hounds to try and take on that. Just release the hounds. Chubby cheek, roly poly, you know, shit machine. <laughs> and it got me thinking about what tactics I could employ if if that inevitable happens. And I've decided that Ted DiBiase's the million dollar man sleeper hold would be my <laughs> my move of choice. So, as parents yourselves, which WWF signature move would you use to take down those kids when they need it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, there's only one man it's got to be the stunner and then I'd smash a couple of beers up and just neck them yeah it's got to be the stunner it was the original bad man wasn't it you know Craig what's your uh, trademark move going to be having uh, recently just gone to Airhop 
I can tell you for a fact it will be the Swanton Bomb. Jeff Hardy Swanton <laughs> Bomb. Listen, little motherfucker, if it's going to go down, you're getting a, all 75 kilos of me, mate. That is, <laughs> I, and I'm going to look good doing it. Mark, what about you? Is, is it too obvious to say I'll go out there, I'll get my four-year-old to stand on the edge of, the, the edge of his bed run in and Randy Orton RKO him straight back into bed. Lie <laughs> <laughs> the fuck down. Out of nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> Alright, uh, that's pretty good. I, w- I really want to go home and stun on my kids now. Um, <laughs> Drop the people's elbow on them or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! Um, Mark, what what would you like to bring to the table on your first any other business? Um, so for me, I obviously listened to the the first pod when Craig was talking about the uh, the good state of British boxing at the moment. Um, I'm uh, into a different kind of uh, a different kind of sport that's in an equally good nick from a British uh, perspective, and it's cycling. Um, Tour de France is on at the moment, hands down hardest sporting event in the world. Um, we've currently Wait, got... how, how, how can you do cycling with sand in your vagina? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. You just got you've got to brush it off afterwards, you know. Uh, and all those Vaseline. You have to take. I mean, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Nip tape. I tell you, I tell you what, it's, it will forever be tarred with that brush. But it is without doubt, cyclists now are the most tested athletes on the planet. I remember it was only it wasn't that long ago that there was a cyclist on Twitter talking about I can't remember who it was, but he was watching an NFL game and talking about how they were all, like all on drips at half time to to recover and if cyclists got into that they'd be banned straight away. Um, so I think there is it will forever be tarred with that brush, but it is um, probably one of the cleanest sports in the world now. Um, Tour de France is on at the moment. You've got British cyclists leading um, leading the race. You've got Adam Yates best young cyclists they're first and second overall uh mark cavendish has been in the green jersey um and there was at one point after the first eight stages british british cyclists had won five of them um we're sending a hugely talented group of cyclists to the olympics where we're expected to top the medals table again um so i would urge everybody to go and buy themselves some lycra get a nice road bike and uh, <laughs> and get out there you will love it no um I don't know if you have you ever watched the Paris Roubaix. Yeah, I uh, I was a On lad. The cobbles. Yeah, a lad just from down the road from you um, that I work with. He he's a really sort of high level amateur cyclist, and he introduced me to the Paris Roubaix. It's all on cobbles and dirt tracks and yeah. mental. They're they're serious athletes. I don't know about talent though, because it's all about your blood cell count, isn't it? And is that a talent <laughs> to have like a lot of red blood? Physiology, physiology absolutely helps, but to be able to just to be able to cycle three and a half thousand kilometers in three weeks, man, that is an athlete. That is yeah. talent to yeah, be able to do that. The speed that those boys are going, the guy, wear the shit guy gear did, though, didn't they? They do wear shit, shit gear, and, shit gear, and silly helmets. <laughs> <laughs> but he did tell me about all the tactics and all the banter that goes on in the peloton, and it did sound. He actually made it really interesting. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Um, I'm going to go. It's all next. about crashes, isn't it? People just want to see. Got guys in Lycra doing 40 miles an hour down a hill. Stack yeah. it. Taking all the skin <laughs> off the jacks. Yeah. 40, 40 miles an hour would be slow. There's so much good GoPro footage of, of in the peloton now where people smash into other people and how that some of the burns and the injuries that they get, man. Fuck <laughs> like that. Lunatics. Um, I'm going to go next. Um, 
I was lucky enough to go to the British Grand Prix this weekend um, with my four-year-old, and it was one of the best Sick. days I've ever had. We sat at the same corner as me and my dad when I was four years old. We sat at Beckett's corner. Um, little tear in my eye as the first cars went past, and Ollie jumped up and was absolutely loving it. The only thing I would say is, what has happened to Formula One drivers? They they started the race behind the safety car, and it was like a little shower. I remember in the eighties, like Ayrton Senna and those boys, literally driving on rivers. Terrible. Yeah. Isn't he dead though? I think that's part, part, part of the problem. Yeah. But yeah, see, then, this is this is my fun. This is my fundamental issue. With quoted one. the man who tragically died doing exactly what you're saying on a dry track <laughs> because his steering wheel broke. But whatever. Um, look, my point is, Formula One is yeah. dangerous, right? And all the drivers complain about safety, safety, safety. Do you know what? If your primary concern when you get in a Formula One car is not dying because you're scared of dying. Don't be a Formula One driver. Go and do a milk round somewhere. Like, I want you to be in danger. I want you to be in mortal danger every single lap awesome. because that's what makes it <laughs> scary and that's what makes it enjoyable. I don't want to see a bunch of multi, multi-millionaires driving around in cars that won't crash. There's no danger at all. It's basically just people driving on a ring road. Bring I mean, risk is one thing, but suicide's another, mate. I'm not, I'm not sure what you're talking about is death race. <laughs> you don't get into Formula One because it's safe. That's all I'm saying. You don't get I into Formula One because I can understand why they went safe. so long under the safety car. No need for like five or six laps on it at the beginning. And you it's think, just... you know, half the point of the Grand Prix is that first corner and see how many people are going to get smashed off there. And I think, take... it, I think I agree with you. I think they went too long under the yeah, safety they've, car. They've and taken by all that the point, joy you've got to figure out what's going on the track. They're slowly taking all the joy out of Formula One. It needs to be dangerous. Cars need to crash. Cars need to break down. They need to stop. It, they've made it. They've made it worse by all the issues that they've got with tyres now, and how it's all about managing tyres. And you just can't go flat out anymore because it's you're not allowed to do it, and you burn out your end, you burn out your gearbox, you get massive penalties. It's nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Okay, Craig, wrap up the show. So a quick one from me, but a very different tone, very different take. I think is important, worthwhile talking about. Um, everyone will know there's been a, a, a very, very high racial tensions, particularly in America, following the killings of uh, a couple of black brothers, the Sterling killing, and then some coppers got done as well. Um, there's been it's it's it's, it's positive that the conversations happen internationally, um, and I you know I, I think it's really nice to see. Uh, so many parts of the community and young people engaged in the Black Lives Matter movement. <clears throat> and I suppose for me, the key is, listen, it, it, there is inequality. Some people are doing a fantastic job. Uh, I've I got a lot of friends who are uh, work in the forces. I've got a lot of friends uh, who, are, who are part of a police force, police department, and, 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 and they're, they're great guys. I think in any institution, we have to understand there is a risk of inequality, and we have to be open around that so we can face it head on together. This killing, having to, to explain some atrocity to my son is starting to break my heart. Like, let's, 2016, man, let's let's literally all just get along. Fucking hell, I'm going to go and have to lie down, Craig. Real talk, Jesus real talk. <laughs> and it, let me just clear this up. Are you black? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never noticed that. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, well said. Um, we're not a political po- podcast, but on that occasion, we'll let it slide. Um, fair enough. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, you can all go away and contemplate life, contemplate what it means to you, um, and then do your draft board. Draft board. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. Um, quickly, last one from me. I'm at the Open this week. I'm on a camera that's never going to get seen. So if you watch the Open, I'm on hole seven by the green. Say hello to me because I'll be lonely, desperate and wet. Um, that's it, boys. We'll We'll wrap it up there and we'll get together next week for hopefully a more well-rounded show with less technical issues all right later sweet see you lads yeah see you later boys